Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today's topic, Weapons for Spiritual Warfare. Are you war conscious? Whenever a nation is engaged in war with another nation, it's crucial for its citizens to develop war consciousness. Only if they are fully aware of the conflict and throw themselves into the use of their weapons will they win the war. A first principle of successful warfare is to know one's enemy, his strength and position. This is true in spiritual warfare as well. The apostles share their insights concerning the spiritual war and the devil. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6.12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. John relates that our conflict with Satan on earth is a result of the heavenly warfare between God and the devil. He calls the devil by several names in Revelation 12, the dragon, the old serpent, the slanderer, the devil, and the accuser of the brethren. So we face a real and a terrible spiritual foe, and yet we can defeat him in our lives because he is already a defeated foe. Christ Jesus, our commander and king, has overcome him, and we may share in Jesus Christ's own victory. Hear God's promise to us in Romans 16, 12. 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's his destiny. Although Satan, whose fate is sealed, is an utterly defeated foe by our Lord Jesus Christ, for God's own purposes, this defanged, raging foe has power to do battle against believers in this interim period between Christ's first and his second advent. Such warfare, such battle, is meant to develop God's people spiritually and to gain Christ's glory in us. The primary activity of Satan that John focuses on in Revelation chapter 12 is his accusing the Christians. He is a slanderer of the children of God. He slanders them to God. He slanders them to the world. He slanders them to the believer himself and to other believers. Now, when a believer sins, Satan is quick to point out his transgression to God, to ourselves, and to reveal it to others. Toward the world, he whispers that Christians are see no different from anyone else. His greatest slanderer is to the believer himself by mental arrows to cause the child of God to doubt the father's continued love for his erring child. He tells us God will no longer accept us and that it's all worthless to strive to live a life that pleases him. Sometimes he motivates other believers in their own struggles to speak ill of another believer. Be aware of this enemy and his verbal and emotional abuse meant to keep us feeling defeating. Remember, he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Because of the great victory of Jesus on our behalf, we are not under his power. Instead, we can handle this powerful foe and we can defeat him through the use of some spiritual weapons that God has placed at our disposal. There are three keys or three weapons to spiritual victory over Satan's lies and distortions. First, 
There is the judicial or the legal weapon. Listen to the words of Revelation 12. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame because of the shedding of Christ's blood in death. The secret of spiritual victory is our union with Jesus the Messiah in his victorious and vicarious death. By means of his cross, Jesus bruised the serpent's head and defeated him. Since we are united to Christ by vital faith, we share now in his victory. Now, there are two related meanings to victory through the blood of the Lamb. First, it signifies that in the cross, the Lord Jesus met the worst that sin and evil could do, and he overcame it. He conquered it. Listen, Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. At the cross, Jesus, the seed of the woman, promised in Genesis 3.15, bruised the head of the serpent. Now, how did he do this? Well, Hebrews 2.14 and following says, Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus' war against Satan and his spiritual entities was fought at the cross. The context of Colossians 2 speaks of the legal debt sinners are under. Listen to the words. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by him. Jesus disarmed Satan by taking away his power to hold sinners to the debt of their sin and trespasses because he took the curse upon himself and paid it. Thus he wrestled this weapon from Satan. Now listen to these words again. Jesus disarmed Satan. How? By taking away his power to hold sinners to the debt of their sin and trespasses. Well, how did he do that? because he took the curse upon himself in his own body on the tree, and he paid it, thus wrestling this weapon from Satan. The wages of sin is death, and Jesus, having entered into our death and rising to life on the third day, has delivered us from its hold. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof of his victory. Second, through the voluntary substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, sacrifice for sin has been made. When one unites to Christ in faith because of the blood of Jesus, his sin is forgiven and wiped out. Since all of our sins have been judged in Christ's death and we are forgiven, there is nothing left for Satan, the accuser, to accuse us with. We are declared righteous before God the Father. Listen to Romans 3.21 
8, 1, and 5, 9. This is God's word. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, since we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Did you hear those words? Now, now, now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law now. And the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe is now. It belongs to us now. Therefore, because of this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Since we have now been justified, that is, declared righteous and acceptable to God, justified by the blood of Jesus, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. There is no wrath of God for his children because the wrath of God was absorbed by the death of Jesus for all who believe in him. In addition, Christ's life was poured out in death that we might live before God. Listen again, Romans 5.10. For since... While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? He's talking about a current position, a current possession. We are reconciled to God now through the death of his son. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ, this is what happened to us. We were reconciled to God. And since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. That's future assurance of continued spiritual life issuing in the fullness of eternal life when Jesus Christ returns to earth. Therefore, Satan's accusations cannot hurt us spiritually or affect our standing before God. They hurt us if we believe the devil's lies, but they cannot truly hurt us because they have no standing before God, the one with whom we are reconciled by his Son. Paul writes in Romans 8.33 and following, Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Now, if he justifies us, that means no one can bring an accusation against us. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, he has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Do you see how certain our salvation is? How glorious is our redemption? Do you understand how much God has undertaken to save us now and for all eternity? The devil slanders. The devil lies. He speaks lies to you, and he seeks to slander you before God, but God's the one who has justified you. 
He cannot find a ground for condemnation because Christ Jesus has already paid the debt of your transgressions. So the first spiritual weapon is a legal, judicial weapon. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb through the cross of the sacrificial Lamb of God. There's a second powerful weapon, a spiritual victory, in this verse. It is said to be the word of their testimony. Now, this is the evidential weapon. Our testimony is centered in his death, followed by our word of witness to his living, powerful word. This is referring both to the teaching of God's word and the sharing of our own testimony of God's power at work in us, delivered in the power of the Spirit. This is a witness both to the power of the living word of God, as well as a witness to his work within our hearts. What the apostle is referring to is the believer's confession of Christ and of Christ's work in him, a confession made to the devil and his demons and before the world. Hear the words of Paul to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstrained and free from reproach unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things, says Paul. But I'm not ashamed, because I know the one I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been trusted to me until that day. This is the weapon, the powerful spiritual weapon of the word of their testimony, the evidential weapon pointing to the testimony of who Christ is and what he has done and what he has done in us because of his person and work. The last weapon mentioned in Revelation 12, 11, is the weapon of costly sacrifice. Here's the words. They love not their lives unto death. In other words, in comparison to Christ and his gospel, their lives, even offered in martyrdom, was not too high a cost to pay. To the Christian, his life is of secondary importance. What is primary 
is loyalty and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the words of Paul to the Ephesians elders on the eve of his departure, he says in Acts 20, 24, I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Because of this mindset, Paul continues in Romans 8, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? The implied answer is none of these. As it is written, because of you, we're being put to death all day long. We're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Nay, in all these things, we're more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 35 and following. This sacrificial giving of oneself to Christ's kingdom, even when it results in death, is directly related to the word of testimony. Our words are sterile if they're not connected to the way of the cross. Willingness to lay down our lives for Christ's sake is a powerful weapon for spiritual victory. Listen to these words again, Romans 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the judicial and legal weapon, and by the word of their testimony, the evidential weapon of the objective message of Christ, his person and work, and his subjective work in the lives of his people. And thirdly, the weapon of costly sacrifice. They loved not their lives unto death. They overcame Satan. We overcome Satan. They entered into Christ's victory by faith in his all-conquering power. We overcome Satan and his lies the same way. This is the secret of our victory. Faith in the accomplishment of Christ's cross and wholehearted commitment to the Savior. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, remember your weapons of spiritual warfare and put them to use for the glory of God.